Welcome to Free Thoughts. I'm Trevor Burris. And I'm Aaron Powell. Joining us today is Don Boudreau, professor of economics at George Mason University. He also blogs at Cafe Hayek. Welcome to the show, Don. Finally getting you on. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here with you both. Yeah. So today we're discussing corporate social responsibility, which is a term that is quite often used and little defined. Um, and so in your your sort of talks and research on this, have you been able to find a sort of consistent definition on what this could be? Uh, no, no. Uh, what it means is, is like so many of these terms that, that people on the left use, and increasingly actually people on the right, it, it means whatever the user wants it to mean. But if you have to if we have to cabinet a little bit, it, it's, it is the notion that corporations should be run not exclusively for the benefit of the equity owners, the shareholders, uh, but the management should take account also in its decisions the welfare of so-called stakeholders. Uh, now, if I mean to the extent that uh, taking account of stakeholders is consistent with maximizing the wealth or, or, or well-being of shareholders, well, there's no difference between shareholder capitalism and stakeholder capitalism or corporate social responsibility. But of course, what the advocates of CSR, as it's called, corporate social responsibility or stakeholder capitalism is an alternative term, what they have in mind, of course, and they're correct in, in, in so far as this goes, they have in mind uh, are uh, activities that they want the management to undertake that promote the well-being of some stakeholders at the expense of the shareholders. They want management to be empowered to, in a sense, in essence, violate their fiduciary duties to the shareholders in order to promote the well-being or to act in ways that they believe will promote the well-being of these non-owning groups. So I assume that in insofar as CSR is somewhat vague, the concept of a stakeholder, is that any more well-defined? No, no. In fact, this is one of the big problems, Trevor, with the, the whole concept. It, it's not well-defined. One of the benefits of shareholder capitalism, and certainly not the only one, but one of the benefits is in the the, the clarity of, of what uh, corporate boards and management should do. There is a well-identified group of people who own the corporation. Now, you know, if, you know, corporate law, you, you, you get into you know, distinctions between common shareholders and, 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 and preferred stock shareholders, but, but these are things that the law has handled and can handle very well. Stakeholders, in contrast, are whoever the, the activists want the corporation to, to look after. Uh, so, so one of the, ben- one of the benefits of shareholder capitalism is that, uh, the, the, the the identities of the people whose interest is to be attended to by the management is very clear. There's you're either an owner or you're not. Not so with being a stakeholder. Uh, you're a stakeholder in some people's eyes. You're not in other people's eyes. What are the boundaries of this? Because basic moral principles tell us that just as individuals, and no matter what role we're in, we should take into account the interest of others, not cause them harm if it's preventable, not behave in ways that violate moral rules or unvirtuous and so on. Does that, do those rules act as, or those principles act as a backstop to the way that this fiduciary duty to shareholders, like would they, if they can do better by their shareholders by harming other people, 
should they do that? Or is there a kind of generalized also duty to behave as a virtuous person? And then once you have, do what's best for your shareholders? There is a background duty to behave as a law-abiding person, for sure. Um, uh, you, you know, the, the single most famous piece ever written in this literature is Milton Friedman's uh, um, uh, September uh, 1970 essay in the New York Times Magazine. And in that piece, Friedman is very clear that uh, when he says uh, maximize shareholder value, uh, that means within the constraints of the broader common law. These, these are my terms. I'm not quoting Friedman. Within the constraints of the broader common law and, 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 common, and common decency. So um, uh, obviously, if, if a corporate manager has an opportunity to increase shareholder profits by defrauding customers or defrauding suppliers, that's out of bounds. Uh, and it, 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 it violates the law. That, that ought not be done. That is not encompassed within the meaning of, of maximizing shareholder holder value. What the debate is about is the extent to which uh, managers are allowed to pursue values beyond those that are assigned to them as fiduciaries of the persons who put up resources in the form of equity in the corporation. So, so just as as you, Aaron Powell, as an individual, are allowed to spend your money as you see fit within the bounds of the law. Um, you, you can't you can't spend your money to hire an assassin to shoot Trevor. Uh, you can't uh, 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 steal from people, uh, nor can you uh, hire someone to do that. Uh, uh, you, you hire someone to steal for you, or 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 perform an illegal act. And so the, I, I think a lot of clarity is maintained when we recognize that the manager, including the board, the management and the board relationship to the shareholders is one of, of, of agent to principles. And uh, uh, it, the, it, whatever is legal for the principles to do, they can assign that responsibility or duty to the agent. Uh, but they don't have to, but they can. It might be important to clarify corporate structures to some extent here because I, I can't remember who wrote this quote that business is just playing with other people's money uh, so that there's something about that we have to conceptualize what a business is and what the shareholders are to understand the duties. So can, can you get into that a little bit? Yeah, so um, uh, a, a, a corporation, of course, is a uh, – it's, it's a legally recognized – it's an entity recognized by the law – uh, under and the distinctive feature, the most important feature of it is is that the the owners have what's called limited liability. Uh, it's another debate whether or not limited liability is 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 consistent with libertarian principles, classical liberalism. But 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 that, that's not the at core of the debate here. Um, uh, and so the the, the you know the, uh, Apple Inc. in Cupertino, California. You can choose to be an owner of Apple Inc. by buying a share of Apple, either a share that Apple sells directly, or more likely from someone who is an existing shareholder, and they transfer the ownership their their share of ownership to you. And you, as an owner, then get rights to uh, vote according to how much. Uh, you own, and according to the voting rights of the shares that you own, uh, in, in 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 shareholder meetings, and in, in essence, you and other shareholders choose the board, um, and you, you, it, you can assign to the board 
whatever duties you want. You could tell Apple, you know, you, you as a group, the shareholders collectively, of course, could tell Apple, you know, let's stop making these computer things and let's actually start growing apples, as in an orchard. Now, it would be pretty dumb for the shareholders to do, but, but, but they, they could do that. They could also tell Apple, you know, we don't care about profits. We want you to, we want you to, 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 to work to alleviate world hunger. Um, and if that's what they did, well, then, then I would have no objection. I would not want to invest in that, in that corporation. I wouldn't want to put my pension, any of my pension uh, funds in it, but that's perfectly within their right. And so um, uh, the corporation is just a really fancy form of, of an ordinary business. People use their resources uh, and their time uh, in order to specialize in producing a good or service for sale to the general public. And the hope is that the the revenue they receive from those sales is greater than than the 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 cost the total cost of producing those things. And if that's the case, then the corporation or the business makes profits and it continues to 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 perform in that way. If the revenues fall short, of course, of the of the cost, then the corporation is uh, assuming it's not subsidized. The corporation is obliged to find some other line of work. Those resources get transferred to more efficient uh, uh, uses. What do time horizons look like in this calculus? Because I can imagine, let's say I'm running a corporation, I'm running Apple Computer, and I have read a bunch of libertarian economists, or I read Tyler Cowen's Stubborn Attachments book about the benefits of economic growth, and I know that one way for me to increase my profits in the long term is to grow the pie for everyone so people have more money to buy my phones with. And that means helping people out of poverty, helping people be more healthy, preserving the environment, because if, you know, climate catastrophe hits, my bottom line is going to be hurt and so on. And so I do a ton of effectively philanthropic and charitable and, you know, long-term improve the state of humanity stuff with you know, long term, I imagine my company's going to be around centuries from now and I want it to do just as well then. Or on the other hand, is this more the fiduciary duty is to increase the share price, or return dividends or whatever within the next year or six months? Is there a line? So let, let's take the easy part first. Uh, one of the enduring fallacies uh, is that uh, modern corporations uh, are driven by quarterly uh, reports and, 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 and quarterly stock performance. And so the, the fallacy is that all corporations care about is what's happening in the next three months. And so anything to maximize uh, uh, profits over the next three months, that's what corporations do. Now, if that were true, then what we would see is corporate, we'd see a lot more of corporations uh, liquidating a bunch of valuable assets so that their three month performance on the, on, on the income statement would, would look fantastic that has a huge amount of income. Uh, of course, it, you know, it'd be offset by sales of assets. Uh, the, uh, the, one of the beautiful things about financial markets, especially stock markets, the equity market, is that the prices of shares reflects uh, the, the uh, market's assessment of how well a company is being managed over the course of the time horizon that matters to investors. So in Tyler's book that you mentioned, Stubborn Attachments, which is an excellent book, uh, he makes the case 
that uh, 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 even the distant future, the long distant future, you know, centuries from now, uh, ought to be valued just as highly as we value the present or as we value uh, the, 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 the near future. Uh, I happen n- n- not to agree with that, at least not completely, um, but uh, I, I think it's a fact that the vast majority of investors don't have time horizons that are that long. And so no one's going to invest in a company that uh, uh, can even be proven by God to be taking steps that uh, will result in uh, net benefits to shareholders only centuries down the road. Uh, because that company's taking too long of a time horizon, investors will not want to uh, own it, and so the share price will fall, and that falling share price will reflect the fact that the, the managers are not doing what shareholders would prefer them to do. That said, shareholders, of course, have, or the vast majority of them, of course, care much more than about what's happening three months down down the road. They care about they they, they care about uh, uh, a, a fairly long term uh, uh, extended future, and and and. and and uh, and therefore, even the shareholders who today want their their shares to be priced at the p- highest possible price, uh, they'll want the the corporation to take the appro- uh, uh, to take appropriate account of the future. Because if the, the corporation t- does take appropriate account of the future, then that action will be manifested in the form of a share price higher than otherwise. If the corporate managers, in fact, take too narrow, too, too short-term a view of the future, then that's that that will cause share prices to to fall today. Uh, so there's this, this 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 actually very beautiful. It's not perfect, of course. No markets are perfect, but there's this very beautiful um, uh, a result in in equity markets in in financial markets that the the price of assets today. Uh, reflects the expected uh, uh, net present value of all the future stream of of resources given people's um, uh, uh, what, what economists call time preference, given how much people prefer uh, today over over tomorrow. And so, uh, uh, you, you know, my, my late colleague Walter Williams used this very simple example, but I think it's I think it's appropriate here, even though it's it, it's very simple. He said, you know. He, he's seen a lot of people who uh, were getting ready to sell their their homes, and they'd go out and they'd spend they'd spend hundreds of dollars, maybe thousands of dollars, uh, planting trees in the yard uh, for a home that they knew they would be out they, they, they would sell within a matter of weeks or months. Well, wh- why were they doing that? Well, because obviously, the planting the trees in the yard, uh, even though they will ex- the, the actual value they produce is the vast bulk of it's going to be in the distant future, long after the current owners have departed, uh, that action today raises the value of the house today. And therefore, the, the appropriate, appropriately uh, long-term perspective taken today by the owner results in the owner today enjoying the value of that appropriately long-term perspective. Now, of course, the idea of profit is very important to the corporation and to this discussion. And that's a bad word in many circles, seeming like an increasingly bad word. And the idea that profit accurately or at least um, in some sort of dead reckoning is a good measure of contribution to society is extremely controversial. 
But on some level, that's you believe that, correct? I, I certainly do believe that. Now, profit earned in a market economy. I mean, one, could, one, one, one could quibble and one could say, you know, the, 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 the term profit should legitimately be reserved only for uh, 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 the excess of revenue over costs in a market. I don't want to be that, that pedantic about it, but I will say that to the extent that profits are earned in the market, to the extent that a firm profits by pleasing consumers, uh, where consumers spend their money voluntarily without being, uh, without being coerced or obstructed, uh, then, then the higher the profit, the greater the, uh, that signals that that corporation is satisfying, successfully satisfying a particularly urgent set of, of, of human desires. Uh, so, I, 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 I like high profits. That, that, that means that that com- I, I applaud a company that earns high profits. That means that, that a company has identified an opportunity to satisfy urgent wants that uh, uh, have not, until those profits were earned, been satisfied. Now, most people, the reason I think the reason they don't understand that is that they view profits as some sort of surplus. This is, I mean, this is kind of a Marxist view, right? So the the profits come at the expense of workers, or the profits on some other view come at the expense of, of consumers. Well, they clearly don't come at the expense of consumers because consumers are voluntarily spending their money, again, assuming it's in a market, they're voluntarily spending their money on those, on those products. Um, they don't come from workers in a market because workers are voluntarily choosing to work at that, at that company. And so uh, uh, high profits, to me, signal... Uh, uh, alert, especially helpful entrepreneurship. On top of that, in addition to being a signal of successful uh, pro-social past behavior, um, the profits uh, signal also to entrepreneurs in the future about where they should redirect resources. If if there aren't many profits to be earned uh, in, 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 in selling one kind of product compared to the profits that are being earned selling some other kind of product, uh, the profit motive drives those entrepreneurs to shift resources out of where they earn lower profits and to shift them into uh, 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 productive production opportunities for where they earn higher profits. So the profit, profits are very much like prices. I mean, in one sense, they're just, they're, they're just a, 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 a different sort of bundle of prices. Profits are, I forget how Tyler Cowan and, and Alex Tabarrok exactly put it in their, in their textbooks. They either say, uh, they say it with respect to prices, I'll put it with respect to profits. Profits are a signal wrapped in an incentive or an incentive wrapped in a signal, but they, they do play uh, both roles. And so what, what, what the, what the uh, corporate social responsibility proponents believe, and I think many of them are sincere, I believe they're misguided, but they're sincere, they believe that, that uh, pro- because they believe that profits uh, are illegitimate, or, 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 or at least uh, come at the expense of some other groups, uh, then uh, by mandating, using law, but you know, legislation, by mandating that corporations pay attention to stakeholders as opposed to shareholders, uh, firms will, will then be compelled to abandon or reduce the amount of profit-seeking that they engage in, and hence corporate assets will, be, to the extent that CSR is successful, corporate assets will be diverted away from uh, profit-seeking, which is, in the eyes of these people, at best zero-sum, and toward helping uh, genuinely helping 
other members of the community. Uh, of course, in my view, uh, that's exactly backwards uh, to the extent that CSR uh, succeeds in having corporations divert resources from where those resources would in fact instead be used in a profit-seeking manner, a, share, a shareholder wealth-maximizing manner. Uh, those resources are diverted from where they, from where we, we can be pretty sure they they will uh, uh, promote, they will genuinely promote improved human well-being by pr- producing a product at a, at, a, at a sufficiently low cost to, to make it worthwhile. And into areas where, at best, we have no good measure whether or not the use of resources in those ways will be beneficial or not. This makes it sound like it's an all-or-nothing thing as far as the legitimacy of profits goes. But is there is it potentially more gray than that? That so we just recently learned about the NGO group, which is legally selling spyware to governments, including authoritarian governments, that they're then using to, again, legally in their jurisdictions, spy on activists and journalists, which is often leading to assassinations or other things, which are not themselves necessarily legal. But the, you know, what NGO group is maximizing its shareholder value by selling this software that is harming a lot of people um, and doesn't seem to have much pro-social use or cigarette companies selling a product that yes it's satisfying people's interests at the time but you know those people a lot of them like had they cho- had the the opportunity to choose otherwise would not have started smoking in the first place or you know would have preferred not smoking to developing lung cancer but didn't but made a decision that they don't feel you know that felt good at the time like it seems like there's a lot of ways that you can turn a profit aren't illegal, but certainly aren't pro-social that have either long-term consequences for your customers or have negative externalities for people who weren't part of that exchange and are, I guess, filling wants that it would be better for the world if they weren't met in the first place? So so, so, so two things. Uh, one and, and 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 the most fundamental here is that the the entire argument, of course, is is, is premised on the notion that uh, consumer demands, or at least the ones that are allowed to be legally expressed, are legitimate demands. Right. So a corporation that goes into the assassination business, okay, that's we we we, we, we that's off the table. A corporation that goes into the business of selling sugary drinks, tobacco products. Um, uh, experiences in gambling casinos. Um, uh, if adults, if adults are allowed to buy those things, and if adults buy those things, then at least as an economist, I sit back and say, "Well, I don't understand why they do it. I certainly wouldn't do it myself." Uh, but, but they're doing it. They're doing it voluntarily, uh, and so I have to concede that that's legitimate. It's not my place to stand in judgment of the way these people choose to spend their own money. Um, and, but but whether, whether you go along with a sort of radical economist subjective utility assessment or not, um, the, the second point to make is that uh, to the extent, Aaron, that the, what you point out is, is, is a real problem, and I don't, I don't deny that obviously at some level it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a real issue, um, it's not it, 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 it's not the issue that the corporate social responsibility crowd 
is much concerned with. The corporate social responsibility crowd uh, would, I mean, you can imagine one of them saying, oh, look, uh, 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 Philip Morris, I think it's his name again, or maybe Altria. Uh, oh, look, uh, uh, big tobacco company. Uh, it's, 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 cigarettes harm people, so uh, we want you to stop selling c- cigarettes. Uh, that's possible. But it's also possible, in fact, I think more likely, the way the actual details of these corporate social responsibilities proposals uh, play out. It's more likely, uh, if, say, with, with uh, Philip Morris workers now represented on the board uh, by, by, by law, uh, the, 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 the workers say, you know, we're, uh, we, we want as many jobs as possible producing cigarettes. And so we don't want Philip Morris uh, reducing the amount of tobacco products it sells. Uh, e- e- even if there's a movement away in the general public from wanting to buy tobacco products, we, we want you to continue to produce those tobacco products and, and sell them at an inordinately low price so that they get bought so that our workers continue to have jobs uh, in, in, in cigarette factories. And so the, the problem that you identify isn't really central to the, the corporate social responsibility debate. It's, it's a question of what, that, that's a problem of, oh, so to what extent should we defer to the judgments of consumers in how they spend their money, and to what or to what extent should we be paternalistic uh, and 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 over override those? And however you answer that question, that that answer itself doesn't doesn't um, uh, uh, imply an answer to whether or not you should support corporate social responsibility. There there would be other ways, perhaps, to. If you answer the question in the, in the affirmative, yes, we, or, or in the negative, no, we should not defer to always to consumers. There would probably be other way, better ways to uh, address that problem than by saying, okay, the way, the way to address it is we're going to, we, we're going to have corporate social responsibility govern, govern the board. There's no, no obvious mean, way in my mind that corporate social responsibility will uh, uh, address that problem effectively. Um, uh, if at all. Now, in terms of externalities, though, it seems this one's a little bit more difficult. Uh, We take revealed preferences theory, which I'm with you on that. But let's take the argument that oil is artificially cheap because of externalities that are not priced into the price of oil because of both pollution and, I mean, standard old-style pollution and greenhouse gas emissions. So, And we could also take another side of this, which is that Oil American oil companies are somewhat subsidized by the U.S. military to some extent, and other actions that we have done to protect. Them. So, so the profits that are reaped by oil companies are too high in this estimation. So, if you're if you are an oil executive and you agree with this assessment, um, and but you can't impose you know taxes on yourself and and regulations on yourself, then is it okay to do corporate social responsibility in order to kind of do a best guess to mitigate the harms that economists would agree are harms because they're externalities that are not priced into the, the consumer price? I think that's a little bit of a difficult question. Um, uh, as I see it, maybe maybe some listeners will be surprised that, that, that I find it a little bit of a difficult question. The, 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 the pat answer is... Uh, uh, no, that corporate man. Here's the answer I think Milton Friedman would give. Um, that corporate manager, uh, if if he or she sincerely believes that, you know, given the structure of of taxes and given the structure of tort law and and and, and, and property law and corporate law, that um, 
the the output of the oil company is is too high and is creating too much in the way of danger to the general public. If that person really believed that, that person should not be uh, should not hold himself or herself out as a fiduciary. Excuse me, as a, as an agent for the principals who own the oil company. Uh, it, it, there's something fraudulent about that. The 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 uh, given the existing you know law is never perfect. So given the existing imperfect structure of the law, uh, uh, the the um, it, the principals, the shareholders. Uh, should have the legal right and ethical right to choose whoever they wish to be uh, their their managers, and if they if if, if they choose to have a manager who uh, acts on on that margin, who acts to combat global warming, well, that's fine, no, no no problem on that, no no problem with it there. But if they if they want to have maximum profits, then uh, that that manager probably should that not probably that manager in this answer should not be in that position. But, uh, and, and, and I'm not sure I reject that. On the other hand, I mean, there, there is this gray area, is Aaron's sort of, hint, Aaron, Aaron's earlier question touched on this a bit. There is this gray area um, of, of t- t- to what extent are, should people be guided by their ethical sensibilities in, uh, uh, when acting, even as agents for others, um, given that the, the, the law's constraints are never perfectly tight, there's always some wiggle room. There's always some room to 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 move and move slightly in one direction and in another direction. And so, if I'm this manager who has the 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 beliefs that you 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 posit, if I'm that manager, uh. Uh, on the one hand, I would feel as if I am violating my fiduciary duties to my my principles. On the other hand, I I, I might find some sort of justification for it. I think as I as I as I articulate this, I think probably uh, um, managers have no business being uh, unfaithful agents to their. I think that's the, that's the best principle to. To go by, let let the manager try to change the world in some other way, uh, rather than rather than fraudulently uh, dealing with his his principal's funds. But I think it is I think it is a difficult I think it is a difficult question. You know, I mean, the the, the more general thing, uh, uh, Trevor, is you know, if you believe that carbon emissions are an externality, as of course many people do believe that they are an externality, uh, then the appropriate response. Uh, would be to, or, or at least an appropriate response, would be to have the government uh, impose a carbon tax, as many people talk about, or put put restrictions. And it's not up to the company itself to to play by rules different than are the rules played by uh, by other firms in its industry. So, let's say that I am I am the board of directors for a company. And the shareholders have told me to maximize profit, or I can infer that that's what they would like me to do. Um, but then they tell me through shareholder voting or some other mechanism, the, the shareholders want me to do things that look more like corporate social responsibility kind of things. And 
either because they just want me to or because they think that doing that will maximize profit, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to. So maybe they've gotten caught up in some fad of like, we're going to get rid of you know, this material because I read on the news that it's dangerous, but I know it's not dangerous and that getting rid of it is going to be costly. What am I supposed to do in that situation? So what you, what you, what you, the situation that you, you, you describe here is one in which a, the, the, the principal shareholders give a specific, uh, a directive to the agents, you know, uh, you know, do this particular thing or don't do that particular thing. And I think if agents, if the principals in fact do that, then the, then the corporate, the corporate managers have to abide by it. Uh, whether or not it, it promotes it, 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 it doing so raises the, the market value of the equity shares over time. And we have to presume that these, that these principals know what they're doing. And if, if, and now they may be mistaken in believing that prohibiting the corporation from producing cigarettes will, in fact, uh, you know, they may think that reduce that stopping Philip Morris from producing cigarettes is actually going to result in a higher share price. Um, that may be mistaken, but if that, if if it, let's use that as an example, if the if the shareholders of Philip Morris say we want you to stop producing cigarettes, and we we and we and we use some machine to, to get into their minds, as God would get into their minds, and we discover that they actually believe this is going to maximize their wealth over time, and it turns out that it doesn't. Well, that's not the share. That's not the 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 management's fault. The management is doing as it's directed. Again, I think I think it's it's almost like a trump card. Uh, the bottom line, one bottom line is always. Shareholders are principals. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, shareholders are the principals, and the, and the management are the agents. And uh, w- within the, the bounds of law, the, the principals have the right to 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 delegate to the agents whatever powers and directives that 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 they choose. Um, I don't think there would be a. I, I think just in the process of competition for 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 equity funds. Um, it would be the rare. I don't think there'd be a lot of shareholders who are willing to put to knowingly reduce the value of their investments in order to pursue. Um, uh, have you know, quote unquote social goals. There, there, there may be some, uh, but we have all other institutions who are doing that. They're called nonprofits. Uh, or there's lobbying government, and so you know shareholders like that. I encourage you give to the give to the Cato Institute, <laughs> give to the Mercatus Mercatus Center or George Mason University Economics Department or whatever is your 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 preferred uh, 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 outlet, rather than trying to do it through a an institution that's not really set up well to do that. Um, one, you know, let's return to something we said we were talking about early, earlier on. One of the beauties of the shareholder wealth maximization systems is that it's, it, the, the directives are very, very clear, and that is take actions that 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 result in the price of the shares being as high. Take legal actions that result in the price of the shares being as high as possible, and and uh, uh, you know anybody who knows anything about about the legal system knows that that there's a huge value in having legal rules that are clear and, and, and easy, relatively easy to, um, uh, uh, to, to, to reveal whether or not they have been followed, followed or not. The, 
the the uh, one one of the many problems with sheer with stakeholder capitalism is um, again if if we, we don't, first of all we don't know just who, who the stakeholders are it can be almost anyone and then it, it be, because in almost all cases the stakeholders uh, interests are not going to be measured in money unlike the shareholders interests which are measured in money it's a it's a pretty objective uh, 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 scale of values one dollar two dollar three dollars because the stakeholders interests are typically not measured in money it's very difficult to determine how well the the uh, management charged with pursuing these these stakeholder interests are doing and one great irony here is uh, that management uh, under stakeholder capitalism uh, often gets a, a kind of freedom that the management would not have, does not have, under, under shareholder capitalism. Under shareholder capitalism, if the managers fail to maximize shareholder value, they get booted. Uh, if they do it too egregiously, they, can, they, 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 they face legal action. Uh, under stakeholder capitalism, there, there, there's, 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 because the, 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 again, the identity of the stakeholders is so ambiguous. The, the, the metrics of performance are so ambiguous that allows management to get away with saying, "Oh, we, we took this particular action or that particular action to, to help our stakeholders." And sure, it drove down the value of, of our shares, but that's part of the that's part of the bargain, right? With stakeholder capitalism, and so trust us that uh, you know the the stakeholders like what we're doing or will like what they're doing when the full consequences of our activities play out. And there's there's very little way to 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 police this, and and and, and so uh, to the extent that it, it, the irony that I mentioned earlier is that a lot of proponents of share of stakeholder capitalism, at least early on, many of them uh, were worried that corporate managers uh, 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 should, should, be, should be leashed, right? Cor- corporate managers uh, have too much discretion. You know, it was this old separation of ownership from control literature starting back in the 30s. Uh, and, and, and to the extent that there are, and there, are, there aren't many, there are many to the extent that there are mem- the, uh, proponents of stakeholder capitalism today who are also worried about corporate managers having too much discretion. That's a fundamental um, uh, inconsistency. Stakeholder capitalism, without doubt, will give to sitting corporate managers much more discretion to use the resources at their disposal as they see fit, uh, rather than according to how the principals uh, want those resources to be used, or 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 how even the the uh, proponents of corporate social responsibility want those resources to be used. But isn't so? Stakeholders are ephemeral and and hard to define. That's that's obviously true. It could be anyone almost. But the kind of discussion we've been having about shareholders and corporations, it looks more like the kind of it's a wonderful life shareholder situation where you have a piece of paper or you go down and you meet with the 25 shareholders and they vote about what the business is going to do, as opposed to what's actually going on in the stock market today, which the vast majority of shares are held in 401ks and institutional investors who are not voting by proxy, not really paying attention to what the corporation is doing. Uh, It's kind of been whittled down into just a few highly interested people as your index fund is sort trades shares without you even knowing it doesn't that change the nature of shareholder capitalism so i'm sitting in a building now sitting in a room now that's just just a few, a few uh, hundred yards 
from the George Mason University Law School and the first great dean uh, of the George Mason University Law School in its modern era is, is the late Henry Manny, M-A-N-N-E. And one of Henry Manny's most important contributions to uh, uh, economics and law is an article he wrote in 1965 entitled Mergers in the Market for Corporate Control. And uh, that, ar- that article made a very simple argument. Uh, that article makes a very simple argument. And that is, uh, uh, if, if, if current managers are underperforming, either intentionally, you know, they're, they're lazy or they're just incompetent, um, then the price of those shares will fall because the, 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 the profits of corporations earning falls, it, it becomes less attractive for people to buy those shares. So those share prices fall at some point. What we now call corporate raiders, I don't think this term is around when Manny first wrote his article, but we now call corporate raiders, and, and there are other people who play this kind of role as well, uh, they look greedily at those falling share prices and they say, wow, that corporation must not be... Uh, must be managed pretty poorly. I can make a mint. So let me go in and, and buy up uh, uh, enough of those low-priced shares in order to get a controlling interest. It doesn't have to be 50%, given the, the complexities of corporate law uh, in most cases. Let me go buy, let me buy up at those low prices these corporate shares, and I'm going I'm to put in management that will actually perform better. And if they succeed... Then, of course, they, have, they own all these shares. They put in better management. The share prices go back up because now it becomes a more attractive uh, investment. And, uh, and so this, this market for corporate control, as Henry Manny called it, uh, works pretty well to protect the interests of the small shareholder who, as you, as you suggest, as you say correctly, Trevor, if I own 10 shares of Apple, I can show up at an Apple shareholder meeting. Uh, Tim Cook's not going to pay any attention to me, <laughs> I'm 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 very, mu- not much better than the person who walks into an Apple store and and, and, and buys an iPhone. Uh, but I don't have to uh, uh, have Tim Cook's uh, attention. Uh, I have this very thick global market now for corporate assets. That if those assets are underutilized, uh, uh, there are enough alert people out there with enough expertise and abilities and and, and incentive to uh, buy and sell those assets in ways that, that reflect, as well as can be reflected, the, uh, uh, the, the best estimate of the performance of the current owners of those assets. And so the, the small shareholder is protected in that way. Companies, large corporations, aren't just the products that they produce, but increasingly are are brands in and of themselves and people choose to support or not support brands for, I mean, obviously for the reasons that they like or dislike their products, but it feels like increasingly for, for other reasons as well. Um, we've seen different brands become pieces in the culture war. You know, people may like Chick-fil-A's chicken sandwiches, but they decide not to shop there because of the values that they, the corporation or its leadership holds and so on. Does does that mean that we could see, I mean, even from this fiduciary duty standpoint, that there simply is a demand for CSR, that as a corporation, if I put out, you know, we, we had... Um, Pride Month recently, and every corporation was posting on Twitter rainbow flags and saying things in support of 
um, LGBT rights. Uh, we had a lot of corporations saying they were supporting the Black Lives Matter movement or giving money to various related causes and that this was you know, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of the people doing it, a lot of the people in charge of these companies actually believed in the value of those causes, but there was also a advertising and marketing angle to all of this, that you want to be seen as the company that does this sort of stuff as opposed to the evil company that doesn't. Does that mean that like when we're having this conversation about CSR, it may be that embracing CSR just is within the fiduciary duty? It is a way to get more customers on board as customers become more socially conscious? Oh, sure. Although I wouldn't call it embracing, excuse, well, I mean, maybe embracing CSR, but I, w- I wouldn't call it embracing, it's often synonym, uh, stakeholder uh, capitalism. So, uh, so yes, a- a- certainly as we become a wealthier society, as we have become, at least up until 2020, as we become a wealthier society, um, uh, people's demand for uh, amenities goes up as you know relative to their demand for physical uh, goods and services. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. This is pr- it's perfectly acceptable and, it's, and, and and understandable and to be expected. And so, if one of the things that they demand is that their blue jean, you know, the company they, from which they buy blue jeans, uh, uh, take take certain actions or 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 conveys certain values, uh, follows certain values, hires certain workers. Uh, then these demands will be expressed in the market. They'll be expressed both in the form of consumers and how they spend their money on outputs and expressed also in the form of, of uh, in two other forms, in the form of suppliers. Some workers might be more willing to work for companies that they regard as, as, as socially responsible. Uh, and, and also in, uh, they will be manifested in the asset markets. Uh, investors will be willing to... Uh, to have some of their funds be devoted to the pursuit of these causes. And so the market is uh, a, provides a, 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 a good mechanism. I wouldn't say it's ideal. I don't think anything's ideal in this real world of ours, but the market provides as good a mechanism as there is, probably a better mechanism than is available in any other way for allowing individuals to express their demands for, uh, what's called corporate social responsibility, uh, and and to do so in in with the with the nuances and degrees that 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 they want. Investors that have no interest in corporate social responsibility, the market will there'll, there'll be corporations for them to invest in. Uh, investors who do have a demand for it, there'll be corporations for them to invest in. Customers can can choose to. To likewise, to choose to spend their money here and there, depending upon their perceptions of how much or how little corporations engage in these things. So, I, the, and so the market, I think, you're right. There is a demand for it, uh, and and I don't sit in judgment of that demand. Uh, uh, and and that to the extent that the market notices that demand, and it does, the market uh, has every ability to satisfy that demand. So there's no, to that extent, there's no need for the, the, the kinds of actions that the advocates of stakeholder capitalism want. We don't need government to mandate that boards uh, uh, have be composed of certain types of people and uh, uh, that corporate managers pursue certain types of goals. I don't see any reason why these 
various alternative desires uh, can't be uh, met in the market with the market with choosing in a very nuanced way just how they're met and, and who does who does who which particular individuals does which particular task of meeting these demands. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy Free Thoughts, make sure to rate and review us in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Free Thoughts is produced by Landry Ayers. If you'd like to learn more about libertarianism, visit us on the web at www.libertarianism.org.